Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, May 11th, 2016. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Boston, Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by SeatGeek. SeatGeek has made it easier than ever before to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. What's great about SeatGeek is the price you see is the price you get. Now, most sites are going to try to surprise you at checkout with these outrageous fees, but not SeatGeek. And you can download the free SeatGeek app right now and get a $20 rebate on tickets by using the promo code Picard. That's right. My last name, Picard. Now, I heard a lot of people raving about the Justin Bieber concert last night here in Boston at the TD Garden. I'm not going to be going to the Justin Bieber concert, but if you are, I want to remind you that there's another concert tonight. He played last night at the Garden. He's going to play tonight as well. And just because this is a sports talk show, I mean, I, I sometimes I get away from the sports world, but for the most part, I, I am a sports talk host. But just because this is a sports talk show doesn't mean on the SeatGeek app you can't use my promo code to get concert tickets. You, you very well can. And again, $20 off by using my promo code, which is my last name, Picard, on the free SeatGeek app. So if you're looking for tickets for the Justin Bieber concert tonight, I mean, I go on this SeatGeek app literally, I'm not lying to you. Like, I wake up, I do a couple things, you know, you, you go to different websites, you open up a couple apps, everybody has their routine. Whether you do it on a computer, whether you do it on your phone, right? You open your phone in the morning, what do you do? You go on Twitter, you check Facebook, you go on Instagram, maybe you look at Snapchat, maybe you check your email. Well, I have added the SeatGeek app to that process every single morning. It's just, I'm, I'm obsessed. I mean, you can type in any city, any venue, any event. Like, I type in Boston, and all these events come up. Not just sporting events, not just the Red Sox, not just the New England Revolution or the Boston Cannons. You got concerts, Justin Bieber with Post Malone right here at the top. And what you can do is you can set an alert, all right, for any event. So what SeatGeek is going to do is they will keep you updated when prices fall so you can get the best deal possible. I'm telling you right now, get the SeatGeek app. And again, use the promo code Picard. And especially for an event tonight like the Bieber concert, if that's what you're looking to do, you're looking to get tickets, this is the perfect place. Or if you're looking to go to Fenway, the Red Sox are at home the rest of the week through the weekend. Uh, so make sure you go to the SeatGeek app right now. And also on the app, every ticket is given a grade. And you're able to use their detailed map to see the view from your seat. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. It should be the first place you go as well. So beginning the show here with some Red Sox. Last night, a huge win. I told you to take the over on this game yesterday. Did I not? I told you to take the over. The Red Sox beat Oakland 13-5. This is coming off a win the night before in which the Red Sox scored 14 runs. So the Red Sox have won three straight now. And in in the last three games, the last three wins, the Red Sox have scored 32 runs. 32 runs. Now, last night... They scored 13 runs in a 13-5 win over Oakland. David Ortiz didn't even play. He didn't even play in this game. 
Hanley Ramirez was the DH as the cleanup hitter, and Hanley Ramirez last night, three for four, three runs scored, two RBI, walked once, did not strike out. He is hitting 3-0-1. The, the story for him in this game is he hit his fourth home run, and it was, what, 475 feet or something crazy? He smoked this ball off the rookie lefty from Oakland to left center, I mean, he hit this off the light tower in left center field. If you're hitting the top of that light tower, that's an absolute bomb. He crushed his pitch. And for anybody who thought Hanley wasn't going to be able to turn on any type of fastball, I know he didn't put it down the line or he didn't put it on the mass pike. He put it, you know, more towards left center, more towards center field. But still, he jumped all over it. He smoked it. For anybody that had questions about Hanley's power or his bat speed, I mean, all you got to do is watch that home run last night and know that I think you're overreacting to it. Hanley's mindset all season long has been to take the ball the other way. And as I've told you since day one, I like this approach. And when you have this approach in the like when when other guys have this approach and, and I always hate to to use Manny Ramirez in the same conversation as Hanley Ramirez because nobody is ever going to be Manny Ramirez. But just to use our mindset that we had with Manny and other very good hitters in Major League Baseball, potential great hitters in Major League Baseball, when they start driving the ball the other way, what do we say all the time? What did, like, but specifically, let's go to the Manny Ramirez thing because I feel like we did that a lot with him. Like when he was struggling and then all of a sudden Manny Ramirez starts driving the ball to right field, what did we say? We said, oh, he's locked in, he's dialed in. Like, that's a good thing. All of a sudden, Hanley starts doing it at the beginning of the season, and people got their panties in a bunch. Like, oh, he, can't, he doesn't have bat speed anymore. That doesn't make any sense. I told you it didn't make sense. I told you Hanley would start driving balls to left field and to left center like he did last night. So it's a great sign. Hanley, I, I told you several times over the last two or three weeks, he has proven me wrong. He's proven me wrong right now. Now, it's a long season. I get that. Things could fall apart potentially at first base for him, but I don't really see that happening, to be honest, because it looks to me like Hanley's having a whole lot of fun. And I think he's having a whole lot of fun, not just because he's back in the infield and he's more involved in almost every play, so he does have to, he's almost forced to stay locked in, whereas when he was in the outfield, you know, he one, he didn't want to be out there. Two, you're not involved in every play. I think it's it might be easy to get caught up in, just being lazy out there, right? It might be an easy thing to do, especially if, if laziness is in, it's in your toolbox. You don't pull it out all the time, but it's in there. If laziness is in your toolbox, being in left field and not wanting to be in left field, that might not be a great thing. But Hanley's back in the infield. I don't just think that's the reason why he's having fun, why he's hustling, why he looks locked in every single night. I think it's because this lineup that we keep talking about top to bottom. I mean, Hanley is smack dab in the middle of a lineup, not just even offensively, but in the field. Like Hanley behind him every night is Mookie Betts running around, making great plays, making big throws. Next to him is Jackie Bradley Jr. You got Dustin Pedroia next to you. I mean, this right now, what you're seeing with this Red Sox team is an energized group that, that absolutely needed a, a recharge of the battery from the last two years. And for all the talks that we've had about the offseason moves, like bringing in David Price, I still think it was a great move. I still think it's going to pay off for him. He's struggling right now. 
I've expressed those concerns the last couple days. We'll see what happens. He's back on the mound tomorrow night on Thursday night against Houston. I still love the signing. I still think it was a big one. Craig Kimbrell, I love that trade. You look at the Carson Smith trade. Uh, you look at some other things, that little things that they did. For all the moves that the Red Sox, Dave Dombrowski and Mike Hazen made, uh, the, the guys that will return in this year, who have superstar potential written all over them, Mookie Betts, Xander Bogots. I mean, Bogots' defense at shortstop might be the most, honestly, Bogots' defense at short might be the most overlooked storyline on this team. Now, I think that's a good problem to have because you have so many good storylines. But if you, like, I'll let me take you back to, not last year, the year before, 2014, right? Because Bogots got his first taste of the majors in 2013. You know, him, it was him and Steven Drew battling for that shortstop position in the playoffs in the World Series. Uh, Bogots got his taste in diapers, in 2013, but 2014, that was his position. People, I can remember distinctly being on my weekend radio show on WEI and people calling in, trying to tell me that he's never going to be able to field that position. He's just too big. He's slow. He's not athletic enough. Or he, it's just, he looks more like a third baseman. You're going to have to get a shortstop somewhere. People were telling me that. And my reaction was, wait a minute, pump the brakes. Give the kids some time, would you? Like, it's unbelievable how, how quick we are to, to just not give a kid a chance at a position. And what did he do last year? Xander Bogots. That might have been the most improved positional player in the American League at that position last year defensively. And he hit 320 on top of it. But the superstar potential between Betts, between Bogots, and on top of that, another night with another hit for Jackie Bradley Jr. Two for four last night for Jackie Bradley Jr., and he's hitting 310 as the number nine hitter. He was back in that number nine spot last night, which I think is the best place for him. I do. I think that's the best place. I, they were Because they were sliding him into the eighth spot, putting the catcher hitting ninth. I didn't really like that. I'd rather have Jackie Bradley Jr. hitting ninth. And that curls back around to the top of the order. That's, that's what I'd like to see, especially Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, uh, the the... OPS right now is off the charts, he's, and he's hitting 310. Nobody is asking Jackie Bradley Jr. to do this. But just all of those things that you have with this team, and, and you know, a guy like Brock Holt, who was the team's only all-star last year, is back to basically, you know, especially when a lefty's on the mound, a utility guy. So, I mean, and, and, he, and when he's playing, he's not, Brock Holt's not an easy out. He's hitting 275. Look at this Red Sox lineup, okay? Mookie Betts, all right, he's hitting 252. Pedroia's hitting 307. Holt's hitting 275. Bogots is hitting 318. Hanley Ramirez is hitting 301. David Ortiz is hitting 320. Uh, you got Travis Shaw hitting 322. Again, Jackie Bradley Jr. hitting 310. This lineup, top to bottom, I mean, this is, they needed the battery recharged. It is fully recharged. And Hanley Ramirez is right smack dab in the middle of it. And I think the excitement that he sees all around him, and not just in the, in the batting order, but also in the field, has made him somebody that, want, you know, he wants it again. Like that passion, that fire. I talk all the time about, you know, there are guys that, that sometimes they, want, they need to struggle to sort of uh, get that passion back, to get that fire, right? To find that fire again. I think Hamley's found it, and I think 
it's mostly due in part to some of the kids that are around him that are energizing this lineup, not just uh, you know offensively, but also defensively in the field. So this Red Sox team right now, just another, just another huge night offensively. And look, they needed it. I mean, they get eight runs in the first three innings, and they spot their spot starter, Sean O'Sullivan, eight runs. Now, Sean O'Sullivan comes in for that spot start. It was Henry Owens' spot before. He was sent back down to the minors. Henry Owens had replaced Joe Kelly, who's on the DL. But they bring Sean O'Sullivan up to make this stop. And he doesn't have great stuff. But the one thing I guess they said going into the game, look, I know nothing about Sean O'Sullivan. Okay, I told you yesterday. I read you some of the numbers. I have no idea. I just knew that he's kind of a big boy, right? He's kind of a, a 6'1", 250. You know what I mean? Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe that weight would play in and he could throw throw a hard fastball. I, I had no idea what the kid was going to bring to the table. But the one thing they told us, the scouting report they told us, was that he's going to be around the plate. Like, he's going to throw strikes. Oakland's going to get some, some pitches to hit. And you know what? Oakland didn't score a run in the first five innings. The, all four runs that Sean O'Sullivan allowed, and O'Sullivan got the win, six innings, allowed 12 hits, four earned runs, didn't walk anybody, like the scouting report says he wasn't going to, struck out three, no home runs, threw 91 pitches. Sean O'Sullivan, all four runs that he allowed came in the sixth inning. He threw five scoreless innings, okay? Clay, I mean, some of the guys in this rotation have a problem doing that. Clay Buckholz has a problem doing that. Your ace that's making 30 mil a year has a problem doing that. And here's Sean O'Sullivan. Coming out, five scoreless. <laughs> so, last night, the Red Sox, what, they can't complain about anything. They certainly can't complain about the offense so far this season. Especially not in the last three games. 32 runs scored in the last three. Now, Rick Porcello will be on the mound tonight for the Red Sox against Oakland as they wrap up this series. And the Red Sox look to sweep the A's. Lefty on the mound for Oakland, Eric Surkamp. I don't know much about him at all, but I will tell you that he was sent down to the minors and sent down for a couple starts at AAA in Nashville, went 1-1 one one with a 2.25 ERA. Uh, when he was up with the big club earlier this year in the month of April, he allowed 12 earned runs and 25 hits in 19 and a third innings in four starts he made for Oakland. So he has an ERA this season of 5.59. He is 0-2. He only has nine strikeouts in those four starts compared to the 12 walks that he has. And he's a lefty. So the Red Sox should not have a problem continuing the offense. And I know some people might say, well, they used all their offense in the last two games, scoring 14 runs two nights ago and 13 runs last night. I look at it and go, no, I don't think so. I just think that's the Red Sox offense. They they knocked Sonny Gray out of the game, right, a couple nights ago. And last night, they faced a rookie, lefty. They jumped all over him. I just think that you really need to tip your cap to the Red Sox offense more than you do knock the other pitches on the other teams. I think the Red Sox offense is just that good. And here they are in first place in the AL East, the most wins in the division with 20, a 20-13 and 13 record, and Rick Porcello on the mound tonight, who's been pitching great. Uh, he allowed three runs in a loss to the Yankees on Friday night, but, you know, that was the game in which David Ortiz got called out on strikes in the ninth inning with bases loaded. Just an awful job by the home plate umpire. He got ejected. Farrell got ejected. It was a crazy game. 
The Red Sox offense didn't really show up in that one. They left 12 runners on base. I believe that's the number. They had chances to, to help Rick Porcello out. But look, if you're going to get that type of start again from Rick Porcello tonight, I'll tell you the Red Sox are going to win this game because they should be able to score some runs on this lefty that's on the mound against Oakland tonight. I know I usually say, hey, I'll react to this one tomorrow, but a little programming note on this show. I am actually not going to be here the next two days. However, that doesn't mean I didn't set you up with a couple good podcasts, right? I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm not going to leave you hanging because I know you want this show every single weekday. You rely on it. I rely on, you know, being able to come in here and, and giving it to you. So what I did yesterday, I was at Fenway Park yesterday, and I had a one-on-one conversation with Red Sox president Sam Kennedy. And this wasn't just me going in with a media pass and, you know, hunting down Sam Kennedy and saying, Sam, can I get you for a few minutes? No, no, no. Sam has been very good to the show. He came in last year in studio here at Beantown Athletics, and he sat in for an entire hour podcast, hour-long podcast. And uh, so I reached out, and I wanted to do it again a year later just to, to get updated on, on how he feels about this team, you know, some of the changes that have been made this past offseason or last year, like the Dombrowski move to bring him in, uh, the David Price stuff, Craig Kimbrell, the Pablo Hanley situation, the David Ortiz farewell tour, what's going on in Fenway, all of, all of that stuff, I wanted to sit down with him again, and that's the type of conversation, you know, you prefer really a, a, a one-on-one face-to-face rather than a, a phone-in, right? So he was kind enough to actually, when I reached out to him again to try to get him on the podcast, he was kind enough to invite me into Fenway, into his office, and we recorded the podcast yesterday. I went to Fenway, and, uh, you know, we get this, we had this view of the ballpark from in this beautiful room, the Oval Office at Fenway, I called it. And uh, it was a great conversation, and just, he really opened up about some things with Dombrowski and had some very interesting comments about, the David Ortiz farewell tour, I thought. I thought it was interesting, coming from the president of the Red Sox. And, you know, David Ortiz, who's crushing it this season, didn't play last night, but still, you got to give the guy some days off. It's going to happen. It's in the best interest, not just for him, but of your ball club, because he's playing so well. I know you can say, well, why would you sit down a hot hitter? It doesn't work like that, okay? It doesn't work like that. you you got to give this guy some days off. You're not going to play him 162. I don't care that he hasn't played the field. But he didn't play last night. That still doesn't matter. The, the, the story of David Ortiz's season is just some very early success to the point where a lot of people are asking, is this guy actually going to retire? Or a lot of people are wondering if the Red Sox have maybe tried to talk him out of retirement and sticking around since he's playing so well. And I, I asked Sam Kennedy about that. And he gave some pretty good answers. And one other thing we talked about, too, was... Uh, The retiring of numbers at Fenway. I get into that a little bit because Wade Boggs, they're going to retire his number 26 on May 26th at Fenway. And I I asked him about 34, David Ortiz, but I also asked him about someone else. Asked him about someone else. Interesting stuff, I thought. So make sure you get tomorrow's podcast. And um, I know I, I will play the next two podcasts for you tomorrow and Friday as if it is being recorded on those days, but it's not. I actually recorded them already. And on Friday's show, I recorded a podcast with Ken Casey 
from Dropkick Murphys and Murphys Boxing. Because boxing is in the news, especially the middleweight division. And he's got a fighter in the middleweight division who's a local kid here in Boston, Mark DeLuca, who's actually been in studio on this show, who just returned from an injury and got a big win the other night. Big things for this kid. I feel like there are big things. Murphy's boxing feels like there's big things. We talked about those big things uh, for Mark DeLuca coming up. And the middleweight class in boxing is a big story with Canelo, with Triple G. Are they going to fight? So a good conversation with Ken Casey on Friday as well. Those will be the podcast the next two days. So if, when you don't, not if, when, when you don't hear me react to David Price's start on Thursday night, whether it's very good and they fix the issues with the, with the leg kick or the hands being in sync with the, with the knee, Dustin Pedroia watching the video. Now, that was something else I asked Sam Kennedy about too. I, the, the thing with me talking in Fenway in Sam Kennedy's office, like, I'm comfortable enough to shoot the shit with him, like sort of podcast. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not just Q and A. It, it it does carry a shoot the shit style, and I do feel comfortable talking to him and and at least expressing my opinion about things with the team. And you know what? Like I'm sitting there yesterday in his office, and I actually in my head I'm going, Danny, don't say what you're about to say. Like don't actually give your full opinion on this. And I can't help it. I have to. I do, I do, I did. And he, he might not necessarily agree with me in some things, but I tell him straight up, I'm like, well, here's how I feel about this. And and the Dustin Pedroia thing, I sort of expressed my thoughts on that. Like, Dustin Pedroia should not be the guy that finds the video of David Price. There's just some things I say about, I said about Pablo in there that, eh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said in hindsight. Um, but what are you going to do? I mean, that's just, look, I'm, that's what I bring on this show, and uh, I did it, all right? I said some things in there yesterday that, I, I t- look, I'm going to tell you how I feel. I, I don't care who you are. I'm going to tell you how I feel. And so, so that's, that's what we had yesterday on, uh, when I recorded Thursday's podcast. See, now I'm confusing myself with today's. This is Wednesday's podcast, in case anybody's confused listening. I am actually here in the Beantown Athletic Studio on a Wednesday. But I recorded Thursday and Friday's podcast. Thursday's yesterday, Friday's the day before with Ken Casey. There's so much going on. Um, But if I don't react to David Price's start, which I won't, not if, when I don't react to it, it's not because I'm purposely ignoring it. It's because I'm not actually here to do the podcast after the game. It's because I already recorded the podcast, which means I'll get to it on Monday. I have the weekend off. So... Technically, today is the last day I'm in studio giving you timely events, but you got to check out this conversation I had with Sam Kennedy on tomorrow's show and the conversation I had with Ken Casey on Friday's show. And as I mentioned with Ken Casey, you know, and you know what? I even got to some UFC stuff with, with Sam Kennedy because I asked him about, I always ask him about what's going on at Fenway next. Like, I grill him on, you, you know, telling me you should get a WWE event, you should get a UFC or a boxing event, you know, and they've had that stuff in the past, not UFC, but he mentioned UFC and the McGregor stuff and the rumors at Mayweather. I thought that was interesting. But as he mentions UFC, you know, the first thing you're going to think of when you hear that is the latest news on UFC that I just found out about last night, today, is that reportedly, and this is coming from ESPN.com, reportedly UFC is in advanced talks to sell the business. Not just talks to sell the business, advanced talks to sell the business. 
And according to this report as well, at least four bidders have submitted bids, and the winning bid is believed to be somewhere between three and a half and four billion dollars. Not million, billion. Three and a half to four billion dollars for UFC. That's what it's going to be sold for if it's sold. Now, Dana White is telling reporters that the UFC is not for sale. That's his quote. Quote, UFC is not for sale. Now, you expect him to come out and say it is? No, I don't expect him to come out and say it is at all. I actually believe these reports. You know, this is, there are some details. When you get details on the money, like three and a half to four billion, the fact that you hear those details, that tells me all I need to know that this story is true. Now, the leading bidder right now is said to be a company from China. Is it a good move for UFC to sell the business? I guess the first question I have is, does Dana White still want a role? Like, does he still want a major role in the business? I don't know. But if you ask me, just step back away from that aspect of it. Is it a good idea for UFC to sell? I'm going to tell you right now, there's no question about it. Uh, and, And that's not me saying that UFC is going to go downhill or is going to lose money or is going to go bankrupt or it's not going to be popular in 10 years. I'm not saying that. I think it will be popular. They're going to have personalities. They're going to have big events. They're going to have huge fights. Uh, They're going to do things with with other companies to promote, right? I think UFC is in a good place. I, I don't think it's going anywhere. And if they don't sell it, I don't know that they'll necessarily regret that because, like I said, I, I expect UFC to, uh, to, to be this huge event every single time they step into a building and every single time they, they put a big fight on TV or pay-per-view. I, I, I still think that there's big things for UFC to come in the future and long term. But seeing some of the things that are going on, like Ronda Rousey loses, Conor McGregor loses, I just think that if you want to cash out, right, and you want to say, you know what, I'm going to take this money and I'm out because we might be successful the next 10, 20 years, but I think that the probability that this has reached its peak with people like McGregor and Rousey, well, that's not a crazy thought to think that. And again, I'm not trying to say that UFC is going to fall off the map and they're going to lose all this money. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you that the last year and a half, I do think UFC has done a great job marketing superstars like Rousey and McGregor. But when you see the, you know, when you see the unbeatable forces get beat, I do think you need, and all, and now you're dealing with McGregor who doesn't want to do promotional stuff, and that's a headache because I've told you many times, I think that that's bullshit. McGregor needs to do the promotional. Because the only reason he's big is because of his promotional shit. That's the only reason. Yeah, he's a great fighter, but you're talking about drawing people in to, to watch the fight, which, uh, which ultimately gets you the money that McGregor keeps ranting about, that he's getting the rest of the company, that, that you know nobody thanks him for. Well, the reason you're getting people to come to the fight and you're getting people to, uh, to watch the fight and come to the events and make you money is because your, promotional, your, your promotion of the fights, you on the mic... The microphone, the press conferences, those things, that's what drew someone like me in. And when you lose some of that, 
by losing a fight and then refuse to do the promotional stuff, it's just a headache. I, I think it's sort of, you got a sort of a, a tornado of headaches going on right now. I, I think if you're Dana White, that you know you're going to get by if you stick with it and, and you keep drawing these fights. And you, again, I, I need to be very clear. I think UFC is in a good spot. But if you're going to take your chips and say, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out right now and turn those in, this would be a very good time to do it, I think. I think it would be a very good time, especially when you hear some of the numbers. Three and a half to four billion dollars. Now, I don't know if you're Dana White, if you want to, if, if, that, if that happens and you want to still stick around and, and do something, I have no idea. Or do you not and just take off? Like, what do you do with the rest of your life? You ever think of that? Like, what would you do if you ever got that much money? Uh, if you ever ha- had a, you know, 500 million, right? Have you ever thought about what you do? It's, I, you'd have to, because we, you know, people play Powerball, they play the lottery, and, and everyone plays that game. Like, what would you do with all this money? What's the first thing you'd buy? You know, fancy car, you buy a boat, you buy a nice vacation mansion somewhere on the beach. Um, you know, we all have those thoughts of things that we do. First thing you'd have to do is get the fuck out of Dodge. I mean, you got to get out. You got to change your life. You know, your life will change in a good way because you got all this money, and which means you'll have a whole lot, of, whole lot less stress. But you really do got to change your life, like pack up and move away. Are you going to have people at your door? You're going to have people begging you for some money. You're going to have people asking to borrow shit. Oh, what do you got to give this person? What do you got to give that person? I'm telling you, it kind of would be a nightmare. But you know, everybody thinks of it, right? What would you do? You, you got to move. You got you, you to gotta get out. But... I always think of, well, could I, would I just sit on the beach all day, every day for the rest of my life? Well, it wouldn't be terrible, but don't you think you might want to say to yourself, well, I got to do something. Like now I got to do something. I don't know. Do you buy, do you buy a, a ball club? You buy a baseball team? You buy a hockey team? Um, you buy an NBA franchise? Maybe you do something like that. That, if I had enough money to do that, then that's a no brainer. Like, I'd buy a team, I'd be the GM, I'd be the president of operations, baseball operations. I would no longer have to be imaginary GM, which isn't an easy job, isn't an easy position, all right? But I'd no longer be imaginary GM. Dana White might be in a position where he could do something like that. Or maybe he is part of this sale and and also says, well, I I want part of the sale to be me still sticking around and uh, being a face of this company still and, and having a voice and making decisions, I want to be involved still. I don't want to just run off into the sunset and do nothing for the rest of my life. Like, I'm going to be I'm gonna be antsy. I'm going to need to do something. And I love the fight game. I love the promotional game. And I still want to be involved. But it would be nice to, to sort of cash out right now, in a sense. And, and maybe that's what they're doing. I don't think, I don't think this is... I think it's somewhat of a surprise to hear this story in the the sense where, you know, you had this, the things that we've been talking about the last couple of days, like Mayweather versus McGregor, um, you know, and that's an interesting thought, even though I don't think it's going to happen in an octagon, right? I don't, but we're still, you know, you're waiting around to see what's going to happen with CM Punk. Is he going to fight? I don't know. I have no idea if CM Punk is going to fight or not. I have no clue. But it's just there are still storylines like UFC 200s coming up. Bones Jones is back. I the 
you know, I, I didn't expect to see this story right now with UFC 200 coming up. But when you sit back and think of it and the reasons I just explained, at the end of the day, I guess it's not that crazy. I just don't know, like, is it Dana White? Is he selling it? Are they selling it? And then he has no role anymore? I, I'm not sure. So we'll wait and see. But those are some eye-opening numbers. I tell you what, three and a half to four, Bill. And the fact that we're seeing those numbers tells me that's the, the, those are enough details in which I know this is a real story. And it sounds like they're going to sell it. That's what it sounds like. So keep our eye out for that. Another thing I have my eye out on is the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Last night in the NBA playoffs, only one game. And the Oklahoma City Thunder, they go into San Antonio and win game five. The Thunder beat the Spurs 95-91. to And the Oklahoma City Thunder have a 3-2 series lead. In this second round series, game six is in Oklahoma City tomorrow night on Thursday night. Now, little controversial ending in this one as San Antonio was trying to follow Russell Westbrook on the baseline before he actually went up with a shot, and they didn't call the foul. And instead, Westbrook gets to the net, goes up, hits a layup, and they call the foul on Lamarcus Aldridge underneath the basket, so it's an and-one situation. All of a sudden, they he hits, he hits the free throw. It's a four-point game. San Antonio's arguing, well, they fouled Westbrook. They fouled Westbrook. You know what? I have such a tough time getting worked up about that and calling it controversial because if you look at San Antonio, Tony Parker missed some big shots there down the stretch in the final minute. And not just shots, free throws. Missed a big free throw. So, I mean, I guess you make the argument that they should have called the foul on Westbrook before he went to the net and before Aldridge got a chance to follow him and before there was a chance for any type of and one. All right, fine. You commit. Yeah, that maybe that should have been called. But still, I think if it's San Antonio, I don't think you should be hanging your hat on that argument. I mean, I, I, I think if you're the Spurs, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, we had chances to make some big shots late and we missed them, especially free throws. So... You got to turn that on. You got to turn it on real quick because you're going to Oklahoma City, and as we're seeing, this is not this is not going to be an easy Thunder team to beat. I do expect the Game Seven back in San Antonio, though. I do. I expect it. I mean, I, if you expect, if you should expect anything from the Spurs team, it's expect that this thing is going to go seven. And what happens in Game Seven, I'm I'm not sure. I still will have a tough time. I'll have a tough time putting my money against the Spurs in either of the next two games. And I say next two because I do think San Antonio will win game six on the road and force a game seven back home. And if that happens, you know, San Antonio's coming home after a big win in game six. It's the Spurs. It's in San Antonio. I know that Oklahoma City has won two games in San Antonio in this series. Are they going to win three? Can Oklahoma City go into San Antonio and win three games in this series? I think this is a must win for Oklahoma City in game six. Because I'd be putting my money on San Antonio in Game 7 if it did go Game 7. And I do think it will. So, I'll put my money on San Antonio uh, for the next two games in this series. Two games tonight. Miami is in Toronto. That series is tied at two. Got a couple of players banged up in this series. Portland is in Golden State later on in the night tonight. That is Game 5 in Golden State, the Warriors lead it three games to one. As I talked about in yesterday's podcast, Steph Curry's heroic return in game four. 
Uh, he's back. He didn't have a good start to that game. He had a great finish. What do you have, 17 points in overtime? Uh, he, hit, he hit his first three-pointer f- with less than five minutes left in the fourth quarter. I mean, I think his first three, he just airballed it, or one of his first threes. And at that point, you're wondering, wow, maybe the knee's not there. Maybe he doesn't have that strength in the leg or the confidence to even, you know, go jump up in the air uh, to be able to take the shot that he's so good at and that he hits so much. Uh, you know, but then late in the game, he turns it on. And Steph Curry, he's yelling to the crowd. He says, I'm back. Clay Thompson's pointing at him. He says, he's back. Oh, yeah, he's back. Steph is back, and he will be playing in game five. I doubt he'll be coming off the bench like he did in game four. He'll probably be in the starting lineup. I mean, he played close to 40 minutes in game four, and I don't think they expected that to happen. I thought I read someone that they were only going to put him in for, you know, maybe a 25-minute max, but as he started to hit shots late, turned it on late, how can you take him out of that game? Especially when you're in overtime on the road. Golden State wins it. They have a 3-1 to series lead. Game five is tonight in Golden State. I, I expect the Warriors to close it out. I mean, does, do people really think Portland's going to go into Golden State with Steph Curry playing and that Portland's going to win this game? No way. No way. This one will be over, and then Golden State will be sitting back watching and waiting to see who they'll play, either Oklahoma City or San Antonio. And in the East, you got Cleveland right now just sitting back waiting to see you know who they're going to play, either Miami or Toronto. And there's no way Cleveland is scared of either of those teams. So that's what's going on in the NBA playoffs. Uh, before I get to Stanley Cup playoffs, real quick, it's official today. Steph Curry has won the NBA MVP for the second straight year. Now, we heard this report like late last week, right? Or well, maybe earlier this week or this weekend that Steph Curry, the report was he, he was going to be announced to MVP. So really, is this a, a news story? We already knew he was going to win it. Again, second straight year he wins it. I guess the news is that He becomes the first unanimous MVP, Steph Curry does, getting all 131 first-place votes. Kawhi Leonard finishes second. LeBron James finishes third. So that's what you got in the NBA. In the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Penguins uh, defeat the Capitals in overtime of Game 6 last night in Pittsburgh, which means... The Penguins advance to the East Finals to play the Tampa Bay Lightning. Capitals are done. Another year in which the Caps just fold up and collapse. I mean, they got Holpe. They got Ovechkin. Man, I picked Washington to win it all. Again, I think for the second straight year. Might have even been the third straight year I did that. Eh, actually, no, I think I picked the Bruins. Not last year, but two years ago. Um, But, I mean... This, uh, the Capitals, at some point, is you'd like to see Ovechkin make a run, wouldn't you? You'd like to see him make a run. However, Crosby making another run is good for the league. It really is. And the way that, the way that Penguins team is playing and the way Tampa Bay is playing, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Stamkos. Is he going to return? Uh, he is skating. You know, I, I'm, we're, we're waiting... We're waiting to hear what's going on with him. I mean, I don't know. Look, the timetable for Steven Stamkos, I think, I'm not sure they really have one. It's it's one of these things where he's out there skating and maybe they surprise us with his return. But if you're Tampa Bay and you're the players on that team right now, sure, you'd like Stamkos to return. But, I mean, you're proving that you can win without him. 
I mean, you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's just, this might be, uh, this Penguins team right now, and I told you at the end of the regular season, look out for them because they do have the players and the talent that have been there before to make a run. And if they can get anything out of their goaltending, which they are, then the Penguins are going to be a dangerous team. And they're certainly a dangerous team right now. They'll play Tampa Bay in the East Final. We don't know what the West Final is going to be because we have two Game 7s in the Western Conference. One of those Game 7s is tonight. St. Louis in Dallas at 8 o'clock. I I think St. Louis is going to go in and win this one. I just got, that's my gut feeling. And then you got San Jose tomorrow night, Thursday night. San Jose hosts Nashville in their Game 7. I'll be rooting for the Sharks. You know, the Sharks have blown it before. They'll probably blow it again. But I'll be rooting for Joe Thornton and the San Jose Sharks because I would love to see the Sharks hoist that Stanley Cup. I'd love to see Joe Thornton hoist the Stanley Cup. And the fact that you don't have to, you know, you already took care of L.A. The Kings aren't involved anymore. Chicago is not around anymore. You don't have to deal with the pesky Blackhawks and Kane and Taves, right? So uh, I, I think San Jose... They, there's, there's, a, there's a road here for them to get to the Stanley Cup final. They just got to get through Nashville in San Jose in Game 7 tomorrow night. So that's what you have in playoff basketball and playoff hockey. Uh, that's it for me, wrapping up the show. I mean, I guess wrapping up the week, but I still I'm going to post tomorrow's podcast with Sam Kennedy tomorrow morning, very early, and then Friday's podcast with Ken Casey from Dropkick Murphy's and Murphy's Boxing. I'm going to post that uh, very early on Friday morning this weekend. Again, program and note, no TV, no radio. I'm back here Monday in the Beantown Athletic Studio. And don't forget, if you're going to any type of sporting event or concert this weekend, download the free SeatGeek app and use the promo code Picard. That's right, my last name, Picard, to get a $20 rebate on tickets. SeatGeek. You know, I, I find myself every morning going to their app and just searching what type of events are going on. Concerts, sporting events, just type in the city. You don't, And just because I'm doing it here in Boston, it's not just a Boston app. You can get tickets wherever you want, whatever event you're going to, whatever city you're in, you can go to the SeatGeek app and you can use my promo code uh, for anything, not just Boston events and certainly not just sporting events. So, uh, again, Go to the SeatGeek app. Also, make sure you go to BeantownAthletics.com. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. Also available now in the Google Play Music Store. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all forms of social media. I am out. Make sure you get my podcast tomorrow with Sam Kennedy, president of the Boston Red Sox. See ya.